Would you stand please as Bo Bayless comes this morning to read our scripture for us. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord from Mark 1, 1 through 8. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've been telling our staff for the last year or so to really enjoy these moments that we've had together. And this is very appropriate to, to share this morning as we celebrate Dave and his service. But I've been telling the staff to, to really enjoy these moments we've had, especially in the last year plus, because this has been a sweet spot time on our staff. And having served for 20 plus years in full-time ministry, I know that those sweet times come and go. People come onto the staff, sometimes they leave, God calls them to other places, they retire. And so when you find yourself in that moment where you say, there's just something really special about where we are, who we're serving with, but even more importantly than that, what God is doing right now. It's been a really sweet spot, and so I've told our staff to enjoy it. And one of the, the major parts of the sweet spot on our staff is the growing number of fills that we have on our staff, in case you haven't noticed. We have Philip Stevens, we have Philip White, and we have Phil Dark. You might say we have a plethora of fills, or a plenitude of fills, or a plentitude or a panoply of fills. We are superfluous with fills. Fills come to us in droves. Fills are like a deluge in this church, or we might just simply say we have fills coming out the ears here at South Tulsa. If you're looking for a good guy, trustworthy, reliable guy to get the job done for you, seek out one of our fills, and certainly you won't be disappointed. When we look to the New Testament, the New Testament has a plethora of Johns. There are Johns everywhere, and sometimes it's easy to get those Johns confused. Who are they? What did they do? But only one John was called to be the forerunner, the one who was sent ahead of Jesus in his ministry to prepare the way for him, the one who was prophesied about that, that he would be like a voice in the wilderness and he would be saying to people as Jesus entered into his public ministry, make straight paths, prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And I'm so excited that we begin this year by looking at John the Baptist, who is one of my favorite people in all of the New Testament. And as we study deep into these scriptures, 
The purpose is not just to learn more about John or even to be inspired by what the scriptures tell us about John and his ministry. But the purpose, at least my prayer, is that we also will see the commission that we've been given. That we are also called to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And we're coming out of the season of Advent. And we we talked about John a little bit in the season of Advent. And we talked about how that word Advent means arrival or coming. And, And so during Advent, we celebrate the first coming, the first arrival of the Messiah. When God put on flesh, he made his dwelling among us in Jesus Christ. And we say the Lord indeed has come to the earth. And so we celebrate the first Advent. But we are living between the two Advents. Because we believe Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, is coming back. There's going to be a second advent when when Jesus returns to the earth. And so now we who are his disciples, we who call ourselves things like New Testament Christians, we've been given the same commission, though in a slightly different way than John the Baptist, that we would prepare the way for the second advent and that we would be faithful in proclaiming with our hearts and our lives and our lips the good news about who Jesus is. And so I want to begin this series, and I want to begin this message this morning in a way that we don't always do during sermon time. But I want to ask you to join me in a word of prayer, and I want this prayer to be about a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to lead us as we pray for this year, that that really my prayer for us is that the Lord would keep our our focus sharpened on him and our, our commission, our responsibility to proclaim the good news of Jesus as we go. But I also think this is a really good time for us as a church family to pray for our city, to pray for our hospitals, which are overcrowded again, to pray for our schools and our administrators, teachers, and students as the weeks come forward and they want to be able to stay in class and stay, stay engaged, to pray for our church but also other churches around the city as we seek God's wisdom in, in, in another difficult season, and also just want us to pray for our neighbors so that we can tell our neighbors, you can tell your neighbors, we as a church, we prayed for you today. So would you join me as we go to the Lord together? Lord, I do pray this morning, first and and foremost, that you would prepare our hearts, that we would sense your calling, your commission on our lives to prepare the way by announcing that the kingdom of God is near. I pray that you would help us to, to be faithful with that commission, that we would represent you well in all that we do this year. And we do want to lift up our city. Lord, we pray for our, our healthcare workers and all of those who are, are involved in our hospitals and clinics and other places that right now are experiencing another surge. Lord, we pray for health and we pray for healing and we pray that you would give our healthcare workers, especially those here in our church, just a divine level of endurance and strength and grace towards those whom they serve. We pray for our schools, for all of those who lead in our schools and our students and families who attend. Lord, we pray that you would continue to give them wisdom and create for them safe and healthy spaces where they can grow in their education. And Lord, we pray for our partner schools, those schools, many of them that we partner with, that you would show us how as a church we can be a blessing to them. We pray for our church and all of the ministry that you've called us to, and we pray for all of our other churches around the city. Lord, that you would give us wisdom and continue to use us to be light all over the city of Tulsa. And we do pray for our neighbors today. Lord, that they would know that you love them, 
that you would also continue to provide health and healing in their families. And Lord, we lift up this entire city to you and thank you for placing us here prayerfully to be a light that draws others to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in that prayer. And as we begin this morning, we begin with Mark chapter 1, verse 1, which begins very famously with these words, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and I have three questions this morning to sort of guide us through as we begin talking about John the Baptist and his ministry and what it looks like for us, for us to prepare the way for the Messiah. And, and the first question is, what is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, and the Son of God? And if you grew up in an evangelical setting or, or a Baptist setting like this one, or if you've spent a lot of years in, in churches like this, you've probably heard a lot about the gospel. You've probably heard a lot about the good news. But in many cases, not all cases, we've been a little bit heavy-handed on talking about this only as the good news for the next life, as in after death. And that's absolutely true. The good news of Jesus Christ is the good news that when we are in Christ, we do not have to fear death. That we are given the promise of eternal life because of who Christ is and what Christ has done. The good news of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is good news for the life to come. And we celebrate, we give thanks regularly when we worship and when we study and when we're in community together that we have citizenship in heaven and from jesus christ we have the promise of eternal life but the good news of jesus is also good news for this life and sometimes we've almost made it seem like our goal is simply to get people to walk down aisles like these and make that decision to say yes i want to go to heaven i want the eternal life side of it and so we pray with them, we lead them in a prayer, we give them a card, we write down their name, we check off a box, and we say, we, we want you to know now that you can know for sure that you don't have to be afraid of death because you will live forever with Jesus after you die. Again, that's absolutely the case, but we also have to be faithful in proclaiming that the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, is good news for this life. And that as he has called us to, to follow him closely, He's promised us that in him, in this life, we will experience life to the fullest in a way that we never could have imagined before Jesus Christ changed our hearts and lives. I hope that you can say that today. I hope that you can say that, that the good news of, of Jesus is not just that you believe you're going to heaven after you die, but that you are not the same person that you used to be. Because of what Jesus Christ has done in you, you are no longer dead in your sins. But you are, are alive in a new way and in a fresh way because of Jesus Christ, because of what he's done. And you have experienced in him something you never could have imagined. It's so different than what life was like before you knew Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And another reason this is so important that we remember that the good news of Jesus Christ is good news for this life is because a part of our call and commission is that we would be good news to others. To people who are stumbling around in darkness, who are lost, who are hurting, who are struggling, who are, are looking for hope, and we know that, that we have the only hope to proclaim that really matters. The only hope that truly can bring light to break through into the darkness that is all around us and wow it is so pervasive in our culture in this moment 
We've been called to be good news as Christ has sent us out. I love this quote from Leslie Newbegin. He was a missiologist. And he wrote, it, It's a terrible misunderstanding of the gospel to think that it offers us salvation while relieving us of responsibility for the life of the world, for the sin and the sorrow and pain with which our human life and that of our fellow men and women are so deeply interwoven. What is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God? It's good news for the life to come, and it's good news for this life that we are called as light in darkness to proclaim with our lips, but also with our hearts and with our lives. The second question for this morning is, what are the roles of a messenger? And the reason I choose that word is because as we study the life of John the Baptist and his ministry, that word messenger comes up again and again and again. It comes up in, in the scripture we read this morning. What are the roles of a messenger, specifically one who has been called to be a messenger for Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God? When Mark was talking about who John was, he used here same, the same words that John used at times in his ministry and also the same words that we heard from the angel during Advent when this prophecy, this proclamation was given to John's father, Zechariah. Mark writes in verse 2 and 3, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. If you remember back to Luke chapter 1, these were some of the promises that that Gabriel, the angel, announced to Zechariah. The angel also told Zechariah, your son, who you will name John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. The, the ministry to which John was called was not in his own strength, and it was not based on his gregarious personality, or the fact that certainly as we read about him, he was quite an interesting guy, John the Baptist. What the Lord did in and through him was not of his own strength, but it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that, that fills us as followers of Christ. And that prophecy was given to John's parents. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to make ready a people who are prepared for the Lord. So what are the roles of a messenger if, if that indeed is our calling and our commission as followers of Christ to be his messengers? What are the roles of a, of a messenger for Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God? Well, I'm going to give you five as we answer this second question. And here's the first, and it's so important. This role of a messenger comes out even before that messenger speaks a word. The messenger represents his or her master well. To be faithful as, as a messenger in the ancient world, much like as a messenger or an ambassador does today, that messenger has the responsibility to represent his or her master well, to represent their leader or their nation in place of their leader or the people of their nation. The messenger or ambassador should speak and act as if the one he or she represents is actually present in that space. 
We are, are called as messengers. We've been given this commission to not only say the right words about our master, but to represent him well. And with all of the toxicity and the division and the clickbait stuff in our culture that's always trying to draw us in, it's always trying to throw more gasoline on the fire of that hatred and division. And it's always trying to challenge us to do the same thing. When we live and represent our master well, it stands out because it looks nothing like all of that evil in our culture. When we as Christ's followers demonstrate Christ-like integrity and maturity and love for our neighbor. It stands out because as we look around us, unfortunately, more often than not, that doesn't seem to be the norm. When we demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit, things like kindness and gentleness and self-control, again, it stands out because it is countercultural. And in doing so, we represent our master well. And if we're doing it right, what ends up happening are is really what John the Baptist described at the end of his ministry. He described in, in John chapter 3, verse 30, which is my very favorite verse in the New Testament. John said, Christ must increase and I must decrease. Now that's my prayer for, for me this year, that, that the name of Christ would increase in my life. And, and I'm quite sure if that happens, that means I'm going to decrease. My, my selfish pursuits are not going to be as important. And I pray that for you. I pray that for our church as well. That if we really represent our master well, it will be his name that increases. And it will stand out because it will not look like the evil and the sin that's all around us. Christ has commissioned us to speak and to act as if Jesus is Lord. The confession we heard from the baptistry this morning. As if Jesus is Lord in every aspect of our lives. And that includes how we shepherd our family. It includes our, our daily relationships with other people. And it includes the way we love and honor others. The messenger represents his or her master well. The second role of a messenger, the messenger delivers the master's message. If we are going to be faithful to our commission and call to be messengers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, there will come a point, even if this isn't in our comfort zone, that we will have to say something. That we will have to open our mouths and we will have to deliver the message, the good news that the Lord has given to us. It's interesting if you look back at some examples of ancient greetings. So the types of, of greetings and, and announcements that messengers would make in the ancient world a lot of the words that you would hear out in, in what we might call the secular culture of the first century were the same words you find in the New Testament. They'd come and they would give greetings. They would greet others with, with a, a kiss, a sign of love. They, they would come to celebrate something like a military victory or something positive that happened with the community. And they would use the word we use for gospel, euangelion, the word that means good news. It was a common word in the ancient culture and, and people were used to messengers coming and, and bringing good news. I love this description that I found of one ancient greeting. It said that if a messenger is really good at his job, the people will know he's bringing good news even before he speaks a word 
because it will be evident by, by the smile on his face. And when they see the smile on his face, and when they hear the words of good news he delivers, listen to this, joy fills the entire city. When we are faithful to deliver the message that, that we've been given from our master as his messengers, joy ought to fill the entire city because of the good news we have to proclaim, which is not a message that's meant to call attention to us, but to tell others the good news of Jesus is good news indeed because the first advent has already happened. Jesus has come in the flesh. He has modeled for us godly character and love through his ministry. He died a sacrificial death so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And he defeated death itself by rising from the dead. If in delivering that message, we're not bringing joy to the city, we're not delivering it in the right way, what better news could there be than that? And the faithful messenger delivers the message of the master just as he or she has been commissioned to do and listen to me brothers and sisters in christ this is a message about which we cannot be silent we have been the ones commissioned we have been the ones as disciples who have been charged to share this message with our mouths and may it be so that we as his messengers deliver the master's message the third role of a messenger the messenger is a connection between the master and others much like an ambassador does today the ambassador has the role of, of making people in another place feel like they have a personal connection with the master and through that representation through the delivering of the message a, a connection a bridge is formed between the master and those who would have that external relationship I want to just take a moment here to say a very special thank you to you, church family, for your generous giving towards our Afghan refugee house that we just completed the work on last week. And to many of you in this room who were there on Wednesday working with your hands and helping to provide this new home for this family. I actually had the, the, the blessing on Friday of getting to be there when this family moved into their new home. This is a family who fled Afghanistan in all the desperation that we saw. They have four small children, and they've been living in a hotel here in our city for over three months. So you can only imagine how excited they were to finally move into their home. And as the translator was working with us, and, and they were communicating their thankfulness, and, and the kids were giving us lots of hugs. They were so excited to have their rooms and their backyard and everything at the house. The, the translator communicated something like this. We've had to wait a long time for this house, but it was worth the wait. And they were so thankful that they were blessed in this way. And here's something else I want you to think about, especially about our, our new Afghan neighbors. Because as you know, we have been so heavily involved in this in so many other ways. I am sure that, that each and every one of those over 500 Afghans who have come to Tulsa in the last few months that we have met them in one way or another through the ministries of this church, every single one of them. And consider this, that for many of them, we are the first Christians that they have ever met. And what, what has been their first impression of the first Christians they've ever met? Well, they've seen you, South Tulsa Baptist Church, with your generous, loving, and kind welcome. 
They've, they've seen and known that, that we are Christian people, that we're doing this in Christ's name, and it has made an incredible impact. And as you also know, we still have a ways to go in this work that we're doing. But thank you, because as messengers, as, as for many people, the first Christians they've ever met, you, we have become a connection between the Master and them. That they cannot just hear what we believe, but see it. And hopefully know that our master is good and he loves them. I love the way the ancient Christian Cyprian described this. He's talking about John's ministry. John the Baptist did not merely announce the Lord in words before his coming, but he pointed him out for people to see. And then he baptized the Messiah himself through whom all others are baptized. If we truly are disciples of Christ, those who follow him closely, our attitudes and actions, as much as our words, are to point others to him. And through him, we believe that people will then experience the deepest sense of the kingdom of God. Because they will begin to experience what John proclaimed over and over and what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry time and again, the kingdom of God is not far away, it is near. It is as close as your next breath. And that is because of Jesus Christ. And as messengers, our role is to also be a connection to others that they would know the master's love is near to them. Number four, the messenger is ready and willing to serve his or her master at a moment's notice. When a faithful servant and messenger is called by the master, that messenger's answer is always yes and right away. But this cannot be true if the messenger is always overloaded or always distracted or always focused on self, like many of us are. We, we would love to say that we are, are ready and willing to serve at a moment's notice, but either because we're all about ourselves or because really right now there is no margin or space in our lives for anything else, the reality is we have good intentions, but when the moment comes, we won't be ready. We won't be willing and we won't be able to serve. I've heard in my time in ministry many times, far too many people say, I'll get back to God or I'll get back to church more next time, you know, after this. After this next project at work is done, that, that's when I'll really get serious about my faith, my relationship with God. Or, or after I've achieved that, the next level in my career goal, then I'm sure I'll have more time. Yeah, right. And, and I'll be more serious about my faith, my commitment to God. Or maybe after this competitive sports season is over, like this is going to be the last one, after this busy season is over, then we'll be back in church, we'll be back with the Lord. I've said the same things myself. Look, I get it that, that as a pastor, I have to be here on Sundays. But believe me, there can be times in my life where I'm present and I'm going through the motions and I'm fulfilling the tasks, but my heart is not really with the Lord. This is a reminder that a faithful messenger is always ready and willing to serve. And, and may it be true that my answer, whenever I'm called upon by the master, is yes and right away. And for many of us, for, for that to be able to be true, we, we have to make some changes in our lives and in our family. But it's worth it. 
and it's a part of what it means to be faithful to the master who has called us remember jesus parable about the rich fool the rich fool made of his life purpose to simply store up more and more and more in barns that maybe could be used later and god said to him you fool you don't know this very night your life will be demanded from you and who will get what you've prepared for yourself what what will you actually have left behind that will be of a benefit to anyone else jesus explained at the end of that parable this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards god and then here's the final role of a messenger the messenger goes before as we've said and prepares the way for the master's arrival John had been telling people that this was what he was supposed to do. But it's amazing that the most religious, the folks who were supposed to be the most educated and know their scripture the the best, seem to understand the least about what God was doing in the first century. And John records this in his gospel. He says this was John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent some priests and some Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. It's not about me. I am not the Messiah. And so they asked him, well then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They were were so confused about John's role. And so when they asked again, he clarified. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. There are lots of Johns, a plethora of Johns in the New Testament, but only one was the forerunner. Only one had this specific calling to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, when he first began his public ministry. But here you and I sit some 2,000 years later and we've been giving the same calling. It's not exactly like John's, but it's the same role to be a messenger and that we too would prepare the way for the second coming, the second arrival, the second advent of Jesus Christ through sharing the good news, but also living it out through our hearts and lives that others would see that we believe it is our calling and our commission to represent our master well. As followers of Jesus today, we are also called to prepare the way by announcing his kingdom and his salvation everywhere that we go. And there's one last part of this passage that I want to read briefly. So the second question, what are the roles of a messenger? We've covered that. Here's the third, and we're going to talk a lot more about this in the weeks to come. But I would be omitting something really important if we didn't conclude here today. What's so important about baptism? And listen, we'll talk about this, as I said later, John's baptism was different than what we call believer's baptism. But it was the same symbol. It was a symbol of of being immersed. It was a a symbol of, of one's entire life being given to God, or in this case, being given back to God. Remember that prophecy that the angel gave Zechariah. Your son, John, is going to draw back. He's going to bring back many people from Israel to the Lord their God. 
And so he was actively engaged in this practice of baptizing people for repentance. But as we read these last verses one more time, so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism, as we said, of of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were coming out to him. And confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, as we said, an interesting fella. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here's why baptism is so important. Here's why last year we emphasized that so much in in prayer and and throughout the, the, the ministries of our church. Because we first identify with Christ when we're baptized. Christ himself underwent a baptism, and his was even more unique because, yes, John was baptizing people for repentance. Jesus didn't need to repent of anything, right? But he was baptized, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And there was this sign in this moment that that what Jesus gives us is not just a simple act that involves the water— but that he is the one who allows us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, to be completely immersed with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who gives us the power, the same Holy Spirit that led John the Baptist, the power is in us to do the work that Christ has called us to do and to be faithful as his messengers. And in the moment Jesus was baptized, the Spirit was there. The Father was speaking. The Son was present. The whole Trinity was hanging out together for everyone to see. And it was an an absolute sign that Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit for us is the real thing. And so our baptism now identifies us with Christ We come into the water like you saw this morning and we say, just as Jesus died and was buried, I have died to my sins. My old life is gone. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, I too have been risen with him and I have a new life. And listen to me, if you've not been baptized as a believer, baptism is your first step of obedience in becoming a public messenger with the good news of Jesus. That really is to be the time that publicly we say Jesus is Lord for the first time for people to hear. And so if that's something that you've not done yet, you've not taken that step, well, get ready because the next few weeks we're talking about John the Baptist, okay? We're going to talk a lot about baptism. And we're praying for you if you've never taken that step, that that would be a, a matter of obedience to God with you. But here's one last beautiful thing about baptism it also unites us together if we all can say we've entered those waters we've made that testimony together jesus is my lord he's your lord and together that is our shared confession amen you still awake amen Amen. we share that together and for those of us who have been baptized that that call that commission on our lives to be a messenger didn't end on that day but it is still our commission and it's still our call to live as if Jesus is Lord in every aspect of our lives. That our whole heart and life would be given to Jesus Christ and that through our lives we would proclaim the good news that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and the Son of God.
Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this day that we've had to celebrate so many things. Thank you that we began our time of worship together with a baptism, with that proclamation. And Lord, I pray that you would take each word that we've sung and each word that we've, we've talked about from Scripture today and seal them in our hearts. And my simple prayer for this time of invitation and response, Lord, would you prepare our hearts that we might hear your call to prepare the way and Lord, would you call us clearly today and show us what it means to be your messengers? And would you give us the strength through the Holy Spirit to say our answer is yes and right away to whatever it is you're calling us to do? And Lord, I also pray that if there's anyone here who has never made that, that confession, Jesus is Lord, they've never said, yes, I do believe that Jesus died on the cross. I, I do confess my sins. I I do want to repent to turn away from my sinful life and give my whole heart and life to Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here who today just knows in their heart they are dead in their sins, I pray that you would, would birth life in them, that you would draw them to you, and that today would be the day that they say yes to you. We give you this time, Lord. We pray that you would speak to every heart, and you would pr we pray that you would lead us out of this place today closer to you, than when we came in, in Jesus' name, amen.